Welcome to Pursuit Church Mornington Podcast with Pastor Brian Carden. The message you're about to hear will help you build your faith in Christ and grow in the knowledge of His will. Let's go right into the message. Can I tell you that God wants to do something here? You probably heard this time and time again from every church that you've ever been to, that God wants to move in your life. God wants to move in the region you're a part of. But the reason that you hear that is because God does. But God can only move on your behalf of partnering with him. How does the word come to men and women? It's through the preaching and the teaching of us. You are a preacher of the gospel. This whole series has been about equipping you and empowering you and encouraging you to speak God's word everywhere you go. Everywhere. Because there is a lot of things that people are speaking, and they have power and influence. But can I tell you that there's a greater power and influence, and that is God's word. And you are a product of what you have believed through his word. And because of that, it has affected your life, it has affected your family, and it has affected ultimately the very region that you live in. See, when I came here, I was thinking this week, why did I move to Australia? Why did I move to Morning Peninsula with my family? I left everything because I was part of a church that I've been part of since I was five years old. It wasn't that I was mad or upset and I needed to leave the church. It was a massive church, and I had a great role in that church. It wasn't that I didn't have a platform to preach or any of that. It was literally the call of God that I felt at 19 years old to be here finally came to fruition five years ago because I made a decision that it was time, and I believe God said it was time as well. But I was reminding myself why God purposed me here. It's important that you are reminded why you are on this earth, why you are here at Pursuit Church, because I believe that God has destined for you to be here in this time, in this region, for a specific purpose. But a lot of times we are so distracted by the things going on in our life that it is hard for us, and we struggle to see purpose. We struggle to have any vision. And we know that the Bible says a lack of vision is, anybody? For a lack of vision, you shall surely die. It's dead. So... In the life of a believer, the enemy can only steal what you give permission for him to take. There is something called the power of agreement. And the enemy likes to manipulate and trick and deceive believers into thinking that they can be fulfilled through other things rather than God. This is why we have so many Christians that would live a hypocritical lifestyle. It's because they have not come to the end of themselves and to the beginning of who he is in you. This is why people still identify with their flesh and with things that have been passed down from generation to generation. It's because they haven't come to the realization of who they are in Christ. Because the reality is you are no longer a slave to sin. You are no longer bound to the things of this world. You may be in this world, but the Bible says you are not of this world. Look, the Bible is either true or it's not. It's either going to be what we know is truth or there's going to be flaws. There's going to be things in it that contradicts itself. The reality is the Bible was written over a course of 1,500 years. 
if you did not know that. And it was written by multiple different people, men. And it is God-inspired. It is the very book has had, this very book, the Bible, has had more copies than any other book. It is the most closest thing when it comes to recognizing history within our life that is proven true. When you look at historical documents, I've been doing a study recently on a course called For the Sake of the Bible, or uh, The Battle for the Bible. And it's been interesting because you have scientists and evolutionists basically proving that what Scripture says, even in Genesis chapter 1, is actually it's a, one of the most proven uh, stories to take place when it comes to history, that it could be plausible. And this is from your top leading evolutionists. It just goes to show you who God is. See, you have been bought with a price through the blood of Jesus. The three words that Jesus said at the cross was what? It is finished, meaning everything that you go through, he has given you an answer. Every single thing that you require for your life has been fulfilled through the blood of Jesus. He made a public spectacle of the enemy. In 1 John 3, 8, it says that the Son of God was made manifest to dismantle the works of darkness. That word dismantle means to destroy. The Son of God was made manifest, has come to this earth, has shown himself, has given his life to dismantle the works of the enemy. Satan is a defeated foe. He has no power over your life. Christ hasn't come to do a plea deal for you. He is not bargaining with Satan. See, what Jesus says pertaining to life, death, and life thereafter is the final word. The voice of today, culture, influence, and the enemy has no power or authority over your life. His word does. It is the final word. But too often as Christians, do we over-empower the enemy in our life? Because we believe his lies. You got to remember, he is the father of lies. Why do you think there is warfare on this side of heaven? Why is there spiritual warfare? I'll tell you why. Because we have to remind the enemy that he has no power over our lives more than what he thinks he actually has. Now, you got to remember, the enemy is cunning. He's smart. We saw that even in the garden, that he was able to deceive Eve the only two people, Adam and Eve, that were created at the time, man-made, or God-made men and women, and they were deceived, and they actually walked with God. So why do you think that you're going to be any different? Why do you think it's going to be any different than the enemy coming against you? But we have given more thought in our life than what he actually deserves. We have made him bigger than what he really is. I think we're going to be very shocked and amazement when we go to heaven and see Satan and see what we have literally allowed to affect us. And what do I mean by Satan? Well, remember, Satan works through influence. It works through the voice and the culture of today. So everything that you see happening today and throughout history is because of the enemy. It's because you live in a fallen world. So if you want to attribute any of your pain or struggle, it's because of the enemy. And again, what you give permission for him... To do, he'll do. 
See, you got to understand and remember that the devil is not omnipresent. God is. The devil does not have sovereign authority. God does. The devil is not all seen. God is. See, God holds the keys to death, hell, and the grave. And even where he is, Satan, he is not an owner of where he is at. Satan is on this earth. But do you know that he's not an owner of this earth? He actually has no authority. See, God has given you all dominion and power and authority over the enemy. And there is coming a day where Satan will be bound for a thousand years and eventually thrown into the lake of fire, and he will just be a figment of the imagination of earth. See, God has given you dominion. You serve a risen Jesus. We don't serve a dead God. We serve a risen God, and there is a defeated Satan. And when we confess and believe that he is Lord, what happens? We are saved. See, the devil has come to steal, kill, and destroy everything that you have, but Jesus has come to give you life and life more abundantly. It's not this big devil and little Jesus on our shoulder that culture tries to depict. No, it's Jesus on the throne on the right hand of the Father, and it's a Satan that is crushed, defeated, and a disempowered foe. We give him too much power. And see, and the reason it seems he has authority and is strong in your life is because the principalities and powers that are working through the power of your agreement. What you agree to will happen. We have a lot of Christians that agree with him. But see, we got to get to a place where we're not only saved in our heart, but we also have a saved confession. We begin to speak what the heart says. It says in the Bible that out of the heart, the mouth what? Speaks. Your confession or the way you speak will dictate your life and the trajectory of where you are going. Whatever you say, so be it. Whatever you believe to be true, it is true. See, in Psalms 119, verse 11, it says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. You got a peace that the world cannot take. You got a joy that circumstance can't take. You got a hope that the enemy cannot have. You got a spirit that he can't quench. And Psalms 119 and 11 says, as I've hidden your word in my heart. Where is his word today? Because where that word is, that's what you'll speak out. You can always tell where you're going by how you speak. You can always tell where someone's at. I mean, I've talked to a lot of people, and I can tell where someone's at by how they talk. It's easy, and you might be able to do the same thing, discern that and see that. And it's very interesting to me, interesting to me when I hear a Christian say, I've been praying, I've been talking to God, but, and I'm like, man, you haven't been praying. You haven't been spending time with God. Because if you did, I would tell you right now that it would change the way you talk about your life. I think it's funny when... Really not funny, it's sad when we pray and speak God's word over our life, and then a couple of minutes later, a couple of hours later, we go against what we just now prayed, negating what we actually spoke into God. You either believe it to be true or you do not. God has given you every single tool that you need to overcome. And the title of my series ending tonight or today is For the Sake of the Gospel, I Have Freedom. You are free. You're a free person. You're free from the things of this world. You're free from the hand of the enemy. You are free. In 1 Kings chapter 19, we see a story of Elijah or Elisha 
running away from King Ahab and Jezebel. King Ahab is stupid, and Jezebel is wicked. And when you get stupid and wicked, fear comes. Just a chapter before this, Elisha called down fire from heaven, and God consumed an altar. And then 450 prophets of Baal were killed. And now you have Elijah who is running from his life from an empty threat from Jezebel. And in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 4, or verse 3, it says, Then he was afraid, and he arose and ran for his life. I love the Bible because it shows the best and the worst of people's lives, which is different than us. We only want to show people the best of our lives. This is what Instagram and Facebook's for. You don't see bad photos on Instagram. You don't see someone doing a 12-week challenge when it comes to a fitness thing and posting their bad photo and saying, look at me. No, it's the good photo. Now, maybe they use it to show their progress. But what I'm saying is everyone always shows the good side of the way they look, of what's happening at home, what's going on in the family. You know, you don't see a marriage couple showing them having a fight. No, they show their anniversary dinner, eating, smiling, right? And this is what's in a problem in our society today is we're comparing our lowlights to people's highlights. But see, the Bible shows the lowlights and the highlights of men and women in the Bible. Well, like who? Moses. We see Moses deliver the people of Israel. And then he got angry and frustrated at God, and he hit a rock, disobeyed him, and he didn't go into the promised land. You see Jacob, a liar, a manipulator, steal the birthright, which honestly it was his because it was prophesied that he would have, that the younger would have it. But he did it in a way of lying. We saw just even with David, who was a fornicator, an adulterer, and a murderer. And they paid dearly for what they did. So look, sin has a cost. It does. We know that the ultimate wage of sin is death. But thank God that you have a God that is faithful not only on the mountain, but also in the valley. Even in your low times, even in the times right now, you may be in a place where you're just so uncertain. You got fear. You got anxiety. You got depression. There might be even a sickness that's been named over you, whatever the case may be. But God is still faithful even when we're faithless. See, when you read Scripture, you should be encouraged because if he can use them, he can use you. God factored in all your stupidity and foolishness that you would do. How do I know this to be true? Well, when you look at Jesus, when he talked to Peter, before he said, you deny me, he actually told him what he was going to do. And he started speaking the potential of who he could be. And then he said, but before that, you're going to deny me three times. And we see Peter leave and actually do that very thing. How many of us would do differently? Because reality is you have mistakes every single day. You fall probably 10 times a day in your thoughts, in your words, but you serve a God that has factored in all of your foolishness and your disobedience, if I can say, because he loves you, because he knows what he's purposed you to be, but you have the choice of choosing that. See, freedom means an absence of subjection to foreign domination. Today, you may feel not free. What have you subjected yourself to? What have you allowed yourself to be the thing that dominates you? Is Satan dominating you? Well, you say, I don't know if he is. Maybe he is. 
well, what do you believe today? Do you believe that you're a child of God? Do you believe that you're more than a conqueror? Do you believe that no weapon formed against you shall prosper? Do you believe that he has overcome the world? So come to him and he'll give you rest. In Galatians 5.1, it says, For freedom Christ has set you free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. How oftentimes do we submit over and over to this same yoke of slavery? Now, a yoke, if you do not know what a yoke is, it's not an egg yoke. A yoke is what they used in that time to farm. And it would be an oxen on each side. And if one was weaker and one was stronger, the stronger one would obviously pull the weaker one. But see, and this is what happens to us. We are put ourselves under this yoke, and we're working harder than we should. And Christ has set you free. It says it right here, you are free, so stand firm and do not submit. Do not submit means that's on your part. Whatever you agree with, so be it. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, now the Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Can I tell you today, if you don't have freedom right now, if you don't have joy, if you don't have peace, if you don't have a sound mind, like it says in 2 Timothy 1.7, for God has not given you, or God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind, how do you get that place? Get in his presence. Because where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Verse 4 in 2 Kings 19 says this, But Elijah himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a tree, and he asked that he might die, telling God, It is enough now, O Lord. Take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. How many times have we been here where we get to the place that we are so affected by our struggle, that we are so just caught in the middle because of our perception of now that it affects us to the point where we even want to die. I mean, I believe that's why suicide happens because you get to the place where you just, it's too hard. And it's a better way of just taking my life to get off, to get out. And this is what Elijah's saying. He's like, I'm done. Which is crazy to me because literally a chapter before, he saw God do something supernatural. See, the fear of the Lord, it says, leads to life. What is fear of the Lord? Fear of the Lord means reverence. It means awe. It means amazement. It means to behold his glory. If you were to fear God, it'd be hard to fear this world. We got a lot of people fearing this world over fearing God. Fear of God is actually a good thing. It means, let me read a couple of scriptures to you. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. That's Proverbs 1.7. Isaiah 41.10 says, For fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, and I will uphold you with my righteous hand. When you fear God, you will not be able to fear this world. You just won't. When we continue to live in a place of fear, of the things going on, it will change your perception of your life. In Matthew chapter, I believe it's seven, you see Jesus cast out a demon, and the Pharisees said that he casts out a demon by being possessed with the demon. <laughs> but the people celebrated and rejoiced at what happened. They were all seeing the same thing, but two different perceptions, two different outlooks of what happened. If this is not true today, 
there is source of information and there are multiple different perceptions of how that information is seen. Can I tell you that you may be looking a certain way, but God's way says something different. God's word says otherwise. You may be so caught up in it that you can't see that you're struggling and that you feel like the very life is being choked out of you, but God's word says otherwise. See, he said that my best days are behind me, not ahead of me. That's basically what he was saying when he said, take my life. My best days are behind me, not ahead of me. When I think of generational curses, this is why I think about them in this context. When you begin to believe you are doomed to repeat the same mistakes as the people who came before you just because you share the same surname. Just because your grandma was sick with cancer, just because your dad or your grandpa or your great-grandpa had a problem in their marriage, just because their kids and their kids had issues in their life does not mean that it has to go through you. The thing is, when it comes to you, it's not going to continue. It's going to stop with you. I'm a product of that. My dad was an alcoholic, a drug addict, all the things you probably could think in in between. And because he gave his life to Jesus, I never had a taste or a smell or a thought of any of it. And my son won't either. And neither will his. It can stop with you. See, you can think that, well, I'm just going to be sick because that's just how it runs in my family. You hear that sometimes. I find it interesting. Oh, that's actually hereditary. I'm going to have it. I'm not going to. Because we're either going to believe God's word is true or not. You can say my marriage isn't going well, or you can say, no, it's going to be a good marriage. Yeah, we might probably have some struggles or have some issues, but we're going to learn how to love each other even through all things of that nature. My kids are not going to have years where they fall away, and even if they do, they're going to turn back to what I put in them. See, it might have ran in your family, but it met you. The blood of Jesus bought you with a price, and you are not your own. You belong to him. Those curses are broken when you change your confession. See, you are not what has been done to you or what has happened before you, but what has been done on your behalf, and his name is Jesus. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords, and everything that you have need of is found in him. This is when you walk in freedom. When you truly believe what his word says. See, today is a new day. It can be a new day. And his mercies are made new every day. You will be a first in your generation. Come on, say, I'll be a first. Say, I am the first. His blood literally runs through your veins. This is why it's so dangerous for Christians to self-identify and self-diagnose. Because you will believe and talk yourself into all type of bondage that is not true when it comes to his word. Yeah, go ahead. Go to the doctor. Go to whatever you need to and get, uh, have an understanding of what's going on. But remember that God's word is higher. God's name is higher than the word given by doctors given, and the name given by doctors. Than what people try to tell you, what society tries to tell you. I think it's funny that when we find an issue, we, the first thing we go to is Google. That's not our source of truth. It is God's word, and it will always be God's word. The same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in you. That same spirit that literally brought him 
from death to life is in you. In verse 5, it says this. And he laid down and slept under a broom tree. And behold, an angel touched him and said, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was at his head a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. And he ate and drank and laid down. He said this to him three times. Arise and eat. He had a good night's sleep, and he ate. Sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is just do the normal thing that you know what to do. Do you hear what I said? Sometimes just taking a nap, getting some rest, eating a good meal, and just getting your strength, instead of being so confused and so distracted by the things of this world, if you say, I'm not hearing God in this moment, I'm just having a very tough time, sometimes you just need to sleep and eat. Relax. Because God's got it. In verse 9, it says this, He came to a cave and lodged in it, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? I remember God told Elijah to go to this mountain, this cave. And then he asked him, What are you doing here? Which is funny. He's like, in the next part, he says, I've been very zealous for the Lord. You've told me to come here. I'm doing what you told me to do. And Jesus, or God knew exactly what he was doing. He was getting him to a place of remembrance, of reminding him that you serve me. And when he said, I'm doing what you told me to, he's like, yeah, you did. He asked him that question multiple times. What are you doing here? To get him to the place of remembering who he is in God, that he's serving him. So no matter the situation and the circumstances, it doesn't matter because he's being obedient to him. Jezebel and King Ahab can do all they want with their empty threats and chasing after him to kill him, but it doesn't matter because he's following after God. See, in your own life, the question that God is saying is, what are you doing here? And it's to get you back to that place of remembering who you are in him to get you back to the place to understand your purpose in him. I believe that every single one of you are here for a purpose and for a reason. And sometimes you just have to have, you have, to have childlike faith. Not try to overcomplicate things because we like to as Christians. Sometimes it's just done in the most simplest of ways. See, the result of listening to the fathers of lies is defeat and ultimately death. When God is asking him, what are you doing here? He's asking him to reveal his character. And he's saying, remember why I put you here. Because the only thing that matters is being obedient to me. You're here because God's called you here, every single one of you. And what I mean by here, I'm talking about in your life. No matter what's going on. No matter the struggles, no matter the things. I think as Christians, we think that we're not going to go through things. If, that, if you haven't lived enough, you know that you're going to go through things. It says this, in the world you will have trouble, but be of good cheer because he has overcome the world. You're going to go through things. You're not exempt from trials. You're just not. We think that, you know, because we are Christians and that we have God, that we're not going to go through anything. <laughs> you look in the Bible... They went through some stuff. And even you, you're a product of going through some stuff, man. And everyone has their story. 
But can I tell you right now that you are not the manager of your life, God is. You don't have to try to manage the outcome of your life, just obey. You're not in management, you are in sales. But we have too often time where we try to control our life and manage our life and manage the outcomes and you are a product of your own management. I learned long ago, I'd rather be in his will than in any other place. So I don't get all hung up when the sound and the cries of the culture and the political realm and everything going out in this world, I'm not going to get in a place of fear. I'm not going to get in a place of worry and doubt and anxiety. No, because I know my security is found in him. We are men and women of God. And this whole series has been about getting to a place where the gospel is so deep within your heart, is so true to you at an individual level that it will affect the corporate body. And it will also affect the community because that's the whole purpose of the gospel. This isn't about coming on a Sunday morning to get a good little sermon, to get some good music and feel good, have a cup of tea and cake, and that's it. We are not a community club. We are about bringing the church to this region. Remember, Jesus told Peter that upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That's why this church is here. God has mandated every single one of us for a specific purpose and a part to play in this region. You just can't coast. I mean, you can, but you will miss God and you will experience everything in this world that it has to offer. You will be defeated, broken, and messed up. See, not everything you experience is of God, but everything you experience can reveal God. If you read the rest of it, it says that God made an earthquake, caused fire, and he caused wind. And it said that he didn't speak in the earthquake and in the fire or in the wind, but he spoke in a still, small voice. God won't always do the same thing that you're used to. God is creative. You serve a God of creativity. And a lot of times we think God should do it our way. We expect him to do certain ways, you know, but God doesn't work that way. He does it what he deems necessary to do. And so while you're so bothered by every loud noise going on in the world today, he might be speaking silent. Sometimes you just need to be quiet and listen. Don't allow the loudness of today and the things of your past, the struggles of right now to overcome the voice of God in your life. In the very last verse of this passage, in verse 18, it says this, and this is God speaking, because basically Elisha has come to this place where he's saying he's all alone. And this is what God says. I'm going to read this translation to you because it's out of the Amplified. It says, yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed down to Baal and every mouth that has not kissed him. He's basically telling them, you think you're alone? I got 7,000 other people that you don't even know that haven't bowed to the prophet of, or to the God of Baal. There are people all in this region that have not bowed down to the society and to the culture of this world. 
that God is adding to this house. You are not alone. There are men and women here with you that are with you, that support you. This is the power of the church. You're not by yourself. You are with a family. You are with the body. You don't have to do this alone. Now, there'll be some things that it just you'll feel alone. And you'll have to learn how to serve God on your own knowledge and understanding. Because it's not good to just stay a baby the rest of your life. You got to mature. You got you to spiritually develop as a man and woman of God. I want to encourage you today that your freedom comes from a place of not living in fear, but knowing who God is, not giving place for the enemy over your life. Thank you for listening to today. If you are wanting more of these timely messages and teachings, Go to our website at Pursuit Church Mornington to find all the other ways you can access Pursuit Church ministry and messages.